What is up, KCSU? DJ Bruja here with the Audio Twerk Shop. We will be with you over the next two hours presenting our class final. For our class final, we are interviewing each other in our areas of expertise. To start us off, I will be interviewing our very own Josiah Nelson. And Josiah, some would say, is an expert fiddler. So, Josiah, how many years have you been playing the fiddle? I've been playing for around 11 years now, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so what kind of like made you want to pick up the fiddle? I feel like that's not a very common instrument. <laughs> so I have a lot of family who plays the music and I always like heard the fiddle and, and thought it was an, an amazing instrument and like, I don't know, I always liked it. And then one day my, uh, right down the road from us, a fiddle teacher actually moved in and then my parents gave me a fiddle and then here I am now. <laughs> Cool. So, um, word on the street is that you're in a band. Yeah. Um, could you tell me a little bit about that? So I do a dinner theater up in Estes Park all summer, every single night, basically hundred nights straight. We play cowboy music with a little bit of bluegrass and it's comedy and dinner. It's a fun thing. Um, there's, there's a bunch of us. We have like a piano player, bass player, guitar player, a uh, bunch of harmony singers, a yodeler, whistler, all kinds of stuff, and it's really fun. And I, I get to play fiddle, mandolin, guitar up there. Cool. Does your band have a name? <laughs> yeah, it's the Lazy Bee Wranglers. Cool. Um, so um, I personally am someone who doesn't know that much about music genres, and I know you mentioned um, bluegrass, but to me it just kind of sounds like country. But I know you're very passionate about this, so um, could you go into the difference in bluegrass and country music a little bit? Yeah, so it, a lot of it is about um, the style and the instrumentation, um, you know, where uh, country music is usually has a lot of electric instru uh, electric instruments with bass, guitar, uh, steel guitar, and and uh, also a big thing is the drums. Uh, country music has drums, where the bluegrass is primarily a tight group of uh, acoustic instruments with uh, like mandolin, banjo, uh, fiddle, guitar, bass, sometimes dobro. And the other thing that, that makes bluegrass a lot different is the fact that there are a lot of harmonies and um, that's one of the you know tenants, the staple things that happens in bluegrass music is the, uh, the harmonies, which doesn't happen quite as often in uh, country music. Okay, and do you have a bluegrass idol? Yes. Well, I have quite a few. So for instruments, I'd say for my fiddle playing, there's this uh, Michael Cleveland. He's a blind fiddler who is one of the greatest musicians in the world. I mean, it's unbelievable to watch what he does. And I actually got to meet him when I was a little kid and he signed a, an album from him. And I think if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't be playing today. But I mean, it's just amazing to hear him um, just go off and do crazy stuff on the fiddle. And then... Also, you know, Chris Thiele on mandolin and vocals, He's he plays in all kinds of progressive bands, jazz bands, country. He does everything. And, you know, I really like, I enjoy doing all the different kinds of styles. So listening to him is very, very inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, could you tell me a little bit about, like, your future endeavors um, with fiddle playing? Yeah, so I, in starting in August, I'll be attending uh, East Tennessee State University, pursuing a degree in bluegrass music performance and recording engineering. And uh, I, I plan to be touring, uh, 
playing, being a touring musician with a couple bands out there that I've talked to. And, uh, as well as, uh, I want to work in some recording studios when I'm out in Tennessee. I think that'd be really fun. As, as long as I get to play the music, I think I'll be happy. So what is what does getting a degree in bluegrass look like, really? It you know I get that a lot. It's it's interesting. There's there'd be a lot of uh, live performances we have to do throughout the semester reco- uh, required from us. Um, I'll be doing a a lot of uh, bluegrass music theory courses and history and instrument learn. Like I'll be taking like private lessons basically on campus as well as I'll end with. Re- creating a uh, four I, I, I'm not sure how, how many songs but I have to create a uh, EP for my capstone project okay and um, are you sad to be leaving CSU and your old band behind I, I am because here it, I grew up in Fort Collins and I've been here my, my whole life so obviously my whole family's here a bunch of friends are here and I have truly enjoyed my time at CSU I mean I've made so many more friends and learned a lot. And I think CSU has one of the most beautiful campuses. So I think it'll, it'll be a big change. And with the band, you know, I, same thing. I grew up playing with these guys and if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have this opportunity cause I learned a lot from them, but you know, it, it's going to be tough leaving them. I think very tough. Yeah. What are you most excited about, um, to experience out there in Tennessee? Uh, I think so I, I went out there uh, over spring break, and I when I when I got out there I realized just how much music is out there and just the opportunity to play music with all these world class musicians and you know learn from people who are so much better than me. So I'll, I'll have a lot of opportunity to play with really crazy people, and I think that'll be the most the most interesting part. You know, just at the school they have. Um, crazy uh like ibma and uh grammy award-winning musicians as teachers at the school so getting to learn from those kind of that caliber of musicians is going to be really awesome do you know who any of those professors are going to be for you yeah so one of them is uh um wyatt rice he has a uh you know he's won uh, ibma awards and then also adam steffi who's one of the best mandolin players in the world two of the most amazing people All right. Well, thank you, Josiah, for uh, spending time with us and educating us a little on some bluegrass and just music in general. Um, Stay tuned for when Jeremy brings the force with his interview about the Star Wars series coming up. For KCSU, I'm Yasmin Conchas. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You are listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am DJ Pippity, and I'm here with my guest, Jeremy, here on Audio Twerk Shop. Jeremy has been a fan of the Star Wars series his whole life, ever since he was super young. He was introduced to it by his parents, and that just persisted over time after making some friends growing up who were interested in the series as well. So what exactly about the series made you such a huge fan? 
Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Piper. I'm excited to talk about Star Wars. Um, you know, there are so many different elements that make me so attracted to the series. Um, you know, when when uh, you're a very young kid and you're introduced to some of the, you know, the action and adventure and some of those aspects of the series, it's it's so much fun. And you know, they they make it so tailored to to all sorts of audiences. So as a kid, it's easy to get into when they have action figures and toys and you know all sorts of amenities that you know just make the whole experience that much more engaging and interesting. And so, you know, I, I really learned to, uh, to be involved with, you know, with that kind of Star Wars scene. Uh, my parents were really into it when they were young uh, or, and, you know, when they first uh, saw the movies, the original series when it came out. And so they just easily translated that along to me. And, um, and I've been just a huge fan ever since. Awesome. So who's your favorite character from the series? I would probably have to go with Vader, with uh, Anakin Vader. Um, he is just an iconic, iconic character in Star Wars and a villain in just all of you know popular media. He's he's been around for you know 40, 40 years or so, and he's just such a uh, a lovable character as Anakin, and then so you know menacing and fearful as Vader. And he just makes the series um, you know what it is. And without Vader. And without Anakin, you you know the whole plot would would cease to exist because you know he's the, the just the main the main character essentially. Um, you know we, the whole saga is called the Skywalker saga, so um, it, you know it's just so awesome to to see a character like that is that is just carried so much weight when he first came out and is still carried weight to this day. Awesome. And then to my understanding, the series was kind of made a little bit out of order. They had the original movies and then the prequels, and then they just are now recently making the sequels, correct? So mm -hmm. what's kind of your favorite, I guess, section of the series? You know, it, it's hard to put a, a favorite on one whole part of it. Um, I Overall, I would probably say the original, um, just because it's so iconic and has so much history. Um, but there are episodes in, you know, all throughout the, the current series that I just adore. I mean, I love episode three, uh, and I, I love Rogue One. Um, so it, I would say my, my top movie would be in the original, which would be Empire Strikes Back. But, uh, you know, I just love them all so much, it's, it's hard to pick a favorite. Definitely. Is there like one specific scene you have that is super iconic for you, like your favorite scene from the whole saga? Probably in in the original, um, in in four, uh, where Luke is looking off at the the dual sunset, and the the song that plays is called "Binary Sunset," and you know that that piece of music has just become you know such a huge part of the Star Wars saga. Um, I'm sure you'd hear it if you recognized it, or you'd recognize it if you heard it. And uh, you know, just that scene is so epic, and you know that he's in for such a huge adventure, and um, it's it's so exciting, uh, you know, from that point on, and just you know, it just made this series. Uh, so awesome, so epic. Well, with that being said, I know that my brother was super influenced by the series too. He loved the soundtrack so much it actually made him join band and then he's studying <laughs> music now in college. So it's really <laughs> affected his life. So has it influenced any aspects of your life personally? The music or the whole? Just the whole series in general. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, 
I've liked Star Wars since I was young, as I mentioned, and I've carried forward um, that that desire to want to continue to like Star Wars so much because it reminds me that you know I was a geeky kid once, and uh, you know I'll always always be that geeky kid, and you know it's it's so fun to think about you know even though so much in Star Wars has changed, you know my love for it has only increased and gotten better, even you know through all the judgment and all the criticism of some of the movies. Um, I actually have a Star Wars tattoo. Um, <laughs> it's of the Jedi symbol, so I, right I suppose that's affected my life in a little bit. Uh, um, yeah, so, you know, that also reminds me that, uh, you know, Star Wars is something that can be with me forever because it's, you know, given me friendships and, and, you know, relationships tailored around it. So why do you think Star Wars has been so successful and especially so influential on younger boys? When Star Wars first came out, my, my parents uh, have told me about when they first saw like the you know the opening um, of that movie and they tell me all the time about just how you know unique it was at the time and you know it just played this huge part in the media at the time and you know they had they had seen these these sci-fi epics in you know through world war of the worlds and uh day the earth stood still and things like that but just to have this just this elaborate you know, this elaborate storyline with the force and with these uh, huge iconic enemies and, and these Jedi and bringing in these totally, totally new concepts that no one ever think about, you know, it just, it just set a whole new standard for the sci-fi industry. Um, you know, and, and star Wars just played an impact on, uh, on everybody at the time, I think. And, you know, especially with, with young, young people, um, you know, it was something that, you know, there was a love story and whatever for, for older people to enjoy, but, you know, there's so much just action and relatability um, to, you know, to being a Jedi or, you know, to to being a, a good person, um, you know, holding peace. And, you know, I think that just left a, a very lasting impression. Definitely. I think it's so cool that it's especially something that you can share with your parents that you enjoy. It's something they liked when they were young, Absolutely. something you liked when you were young, and Absolutely. maybe it will continue going. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for helping me learn a little bit more about Star Wars. Absolutely. Um, and be sure to stay tuned for the next interview coming up in just a couple of minutes. Anthony will be interviewing Kyle about hockey only here at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Thank you for joining me and the rest of my classmates for the Audio Workshop final right here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am DJ Boxy Beats. And uh, for this final, final, I am joined by Kyle Wilson, who will talk to us about hockey. He's been involved with hockey for around 12 years now and starting off at, his, at a local organization called the Foothills Flyers right around his high school, Dakota Ridge, where he later went on to play on the varsity team. So, Kyle, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Let's just get this started. Um, so yeah, kind of to start off, um, just a simple kind of chit chat back and forth. Uh, what kind of what got your start in hockey, uh, and what made you choose hockey as the sport you wanted to play? So I played a lot of sports growing up. Um, I basically tried every single one except for lacrosse. Uh, but it was actually here locally at the Eagles game at the Budweiser Event Center where I was like, you know, I want to I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to play hockey and you know be around it for the rest of my life. So I think that's that's where I got my start. Right on, right on. Um, and then uh, what would be the most memorable moment you've had in hockey throughout your years of playing it? 
Uh, I mean, there are a lot of moments to think of and, uh, you know, to reminisce on, but I think probably, probably the first varsity hockey game that I was a part of that I was in the lineup for, I think that was the best memory. Uh, just having like the entire school there, all the cheerleaders and band and everything. It was just, it was awesome. And I will definitely never forget that and forget how nervous I was getting on that ice. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, Awesome. So yeah, getting into kind of more of the nitty gritty. Um, what would what would be your uh, favorite team and why? Obviously the Avalanche. Uh, but I mean, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I was raised here, so that's probably the main reason. My dad watched it when he was growing up, and when he he lived in Chicago for a really long time, so he was a Blackhawks fan. So sometimes we butt heads, but you know, it works either way. But. You know, definitely the Avalanche. No other team. Right on. Uh, where in Chicago? Where is he raised from? Uh, he was actually born here, and then he moved to Chicago. And my sister was born in Chicago. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of from there too, so that's really cool. cool. Um, so what what did you think of their uh, their future looks like? What do you think they're um, how do you think they're doing? I think they're going to be amazing. I say they win a Stanley Cup in the next two years at least, maybe if not next year. But I think their their future is very very bright. They have very young stars that are up and coming. Obviously, Kale McCarr. Um, but you know their future is very bright. I see lots of championships in the future for them. So I'm excited to be a fan and to be watching them for, you know, however long I live. Very very cool. Um, what are your thoughts on the seasons and uh, postseason? Uh, it was a rough end of the postseason, man, for the Avs. You know, they lost in Game 7. I had a great time watching them. Um, I thought playoffs were great this year. Have all those undercard teams win against over, over the teams that are supposed to win, you know, the Stanley Cup. I thought these playoffs were they were amazing, and they're still going on. I probably won't be watching as much anymore because I'm a little heartbroken and depressed. But it was, it's been a great playoffs, and I can't wait to see who won the Cup. Very, very cool. Um, what would be your dream team if you had to play on a team? What would it be? Uh, the Avs, obviously. Yeah. But if I had, if I had to choose a different team, you're putting a tough one on me because <laughs> I don't I don't like any other team. Making it hard for you. But I mean, I guess I'd probably play. Uh, if not the Avs, it'd probably be for Toronto. I think would be my would be the team that what, I'd want to play. Why is that? Because it's Canada's team. Canada's you know the hugest. I mean, they're known for hockey. So I would choose I would choose Toronto if not the Avs. Right on. Right on. Um, and, um, I would say like what, um, if you like had to go into sports, would that be the sport you'd have to, like want to go into? And yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I'd want to go into hockey mostly. Um, I like, I like every other sport basically. I could talk about any other sport, mm -hmm. but if I had to choose one sport, I think it'd be hockey. If not, if not hockey, I think I'd probably have to choose baseball, I think would be my other sport That's to go second. into. Yeah. Baseball and then basketball probably if I had to choose, Very nice. but if not you, hockey, you know. Very cool. Are you still involved with hockey, or do you, have you kind of hung up the hat a little bit? Uh, I kind of hung up the skates a little bit. I haven't been on the ice since I came to college because just so much of work and everything that's been going on. Uh, I haven't been able to get on the ice as much as I want to. So uh, I wouldn't say I'm retired officially. I will get on back the like on back onto the ice eventually, but I haven't been on the ice so far. Right on. In, in college. So have you looked into any like local local stuff going on? Uh, I I would like to play an adult league with my friends, but you know it's just so expensive. It's like Three hundred thirty dollars for per person oh or something, my goodness. just for like twelve games. So I mean, I've been, I've looked into it. I would like to do it, but right now I don't think being a broke college student, I don't think three hundred thirty dollars is something I can I can cough up right now. That is totally fair. That is totally fair. 
Well, um, thank you, Kyle. That's all the questions I have for you. And uh, thank you for the rest of the radio operations class for a great interview and also for a great semester. I had a ton of fun. Uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in and hearing us on air throughout the semester. Uh, stay tuned for an interview on Rams Productions after the pump. For KCSU, I'm Anthony DeCosmo. And welcome to my final for the audio workshop. I'm Max Fink, and today we have Yasmin Conchas, who has been working in technical theater for four years and is currently in Ramp Student Productions, a student-led production base for broadcasting events. Hi, Yasmin. Thanks for coming on. Hi. <laughs> uh, so real quick, if you could just kind of give an explanation of what you do in Ramp Productions. Yeah, so Ramp Productions is sort of a practicum course for all music, stage, and sports production majors. Or, I mean, minors. Minors. Um, um, so basically, through the course, we get credit by doing hours, and those hours are accumulated um, through basically going to events, um, doing video, audio work at those events um, live, and then um, sometimes post production with like editing or, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. And so, kind of kicking it off, what, what, what kind of events do you guys? Um, do all these like audio and video work for? Yeah, so um, me personally, I have only ever done um, events at the UCA, so that covers a wide range of things from just concerts, orchestra concerts, um, recitals, um, just things like that. We also do like spring musicals, um, uh, operas, just anything that the UCA puts on and they want video coverage for, like we're there. Um, I know other people are also involved um, with the sports department here at CSU and they do coverage for games. Um, I know baseball season just happened, so they did that, and basketball season. Um, and then we also have some freedom in the class a little bit, um, which is really nice. Um, so we're kind of allowed to take on projects like, let's say if I wanted to make a podcast or something like that, I could potentially get hours or credit for it, um, which is really nice because it's a pretty free form class. Sweet. So kind of, again, kicking it off, um, what, what is your favorite thing to do in Ramp Production and like, why is that your favorite? Do you mean like favorite position or just yeah, like? Yeah, more like positions and things to do for each event. Okay. Well, um, just because of the kind of person that I am, I love to um, be in the director's seat. I love like telling people what to do um, and that's my favorite position because usually those events can be pretty long, especially if we're sitting through like a two hour orchestra concert and you're like wearing a headset. You can't always hear the music or like be engaged with the audience and like actually see the performance because you're like busy doing other stuff. Um, so I like being the director and sort of like adding commentary and um, Something I think that people don't really think about in production is um, just like team morale. And I like being the director because I like to just sort of boost everyone up. And like if someone's doing a good job, like I'll tell them through the headset, I'll be like, that's some great camera work. Like you keep that up. And I think that's like a nice thing to have on a team. And that's why I like being a director. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and so with that, uh, I know you have technical theater experience. Um, and how does, how does that help with, uh, you know, directing with... Uh, all these cameras and everything else for all these events? Yeah, so when I did theater, um, my interest was mostly in directing. So as you can tell, I really like directing um, and also stage management. And I think stage management has been 
my past experience that I can apply the most to RAM Productions, just because with stage management, I was in charge of multiple other people, and I had to keep a headset on throughout every performance. So um, it's also helped me, it helped me like learn how to multitask, which is something that you need to do in production work because it's very unexpected and multiple things are happening at different times and you never know who's going to need you. So like just learning how to work with a headset and like manage that and work while people are also talking through you through headphones is a good skill to have. No, definitely. Like the yeah. multitasking and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so with that technical theater experience, like uh, how many shows did you do? And like, what was it like your favorite show that you, you worked on? Yeah, so um, I stage managed for a show, just a little musical called The Addams Family Musical at my high school. And that was my first experience, um, basically working behind the scenes. And um, that was probably, I wouldn't say my favorite show, but that was like definitely like the one that I learned the most from in terms of just working backstage and um, working with a crew and trying to manage multiple people. Um, but probably my favorite show that I did um, for my last year of high school, we my high school requires us to do a senior project. And for my senior project, I chose to direct a musical. And that was usually our, our theater department didn't really allow people to direct their own shows, um, but I convinced my theater director nice. to let me do that. Um, so I took that on, and the musical was called 21 Chump Street, the musical, which was a 15-minute musical, so really short. Um, and um, I basically just got to do that all on my own, try to figure that out. I remember our department didn't have a lot of audio work or, like, knowledge. Like, we didn't have a tech person really so I had to figure that out on my own and like work with other people in my class to like find out how to connect the speakers and how to like um mic everyone up and how to make sure that the volumes were good um also just like a cool fact that was like the first time ever my school had a um person interpret the show in American Sign Language um just like my friend heard that I was doing that as my senior project and he wanted to do something, interpret something in American Sign Language. So he jumped on that too. And it was, I just really like how in production in general, everything is about collaboration. And I feel like I thrive off of that. That's awesome. All right. So we're going to pull it back to uh, ramp and ramp production. So kind of curious, just what other kind of positions there are? I know you talked about camera director. Um, are you like live switching it? Are you recording it for the event or is it like more broadcast? Yeah, so we have a TriCaster at every event, which if you're a director, you're basically calling the shots and um, switching from different cameras. Usually we have, I mean, now, more, more recently, we got up to eight cameras per show, which is really cool because we have a lot of shots to choose from. But the um, the footage is, uh, is live broadcasted, but also um, after we collect all the footage, we edit it and post it on YouTube. So... Um, for all the UCA events, basically, you can find a video on YouTube. Sweet. All righty. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Yasmin, for coming on uh, for my quick little interview. I'm Max Fink, and I'm signing off for my audio torque shop final. Don't forget to stay tuned for Hannah's interview on being a barista. Thank you. Good afternoon, Fort Collins. Welcome to Audio Twerk Shop on KCSU 90.5. 
This is your girl Hands coming at you today with a gal who puts the star in Starbucks, Piper Davis. Piper has been working at various coffee shops since she was 16, brewing and cooling. Welcome, Piper. Hi, thank you for having me. Always. I'll always have you here. <laughs> um, so how did you get into the coffee industry? So I grew up in a super small town. We had like 2,500 people. So it was less of, I just didn't have much of a choice about where I worked. So it was pretty much between a small restaurant or a coffee shop. So I started off in the restaurant. I started working when I was 14. I got my worker's permit right away. And then after doing that for a couple of years, I kind of hated it. So um, I applied to the coffee shop and started working at the coffee shop and have been doing that for five years now. That's awesome. So at you different, liked it? Yeah, I liked it. I'm at different coffee shops, obviously, because I'm not in my hometown anymore. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I still do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first cup of coffee you had? Not made, but had. Ooh, had. Um, I know that my parents are super avid coffee drinkers. They are both teachers, so they work super early in the morning. So they've been drinking coffee for the longest time. So I remember when I was younger, I always wanted to drink coffee. Like I thought it was supposed to be cool and it made you feel grown up. So I think I like tried coffee when I was probably super young and absolutely hated it because it tasted terrible. So probably just some like Folgers terrible dark roast when I was super <laughs> little, but I can't remember an exact cup of coffee now. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, are you working at a coffee place right now? Yeah, I'm working at one on campus, actually, but my last day is tomorrow. <gasps> so I know my last day ever working at a coffee shop. Ever? Yeah, I got a real job. <laughs> so where are you working right now? Um, I'm working at Sweet Sensations. So okay. it's in the student center here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's your favorite drink on their menu? Oh, Everybody asks me that every time they come in, but I feel like after working in a coffee shop for so long, I just like drinking plain coffee because I just want to be awake. I don't, I'm over all like the sweet drinks, but I have always loved matcha. So I love the matcha there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super good. Um, what's the worst experience you've had working as a barista? Ooh, Actually, yesterday. <laughs> so I was working late night because um, we're open for finals. So we're open. We typically close at five, but we work five to 11 during late night. So I had the late night shift. And then actually 30 minutes before my shift was supposed to be over, I dumped uh, five pitchers of iced coffee on the ground. <gasps> no. Yeah, I knocked them all over. So right before I was supposed to be done with my shift, I was cleaning up coffee for an hour. So <laughs> did you get it all cleaned up? Yeah, was but it, okay? it took forever. <laughs> Shoot, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it was actually hilarious. Like it was a bunch <laughs> of fun, but it sucked. <laughs> um, so other than that, how has your experience been working at Sweet Sensations? It, <laughs> it's actually super fun. So it's a student run coffee shop. So our managers our age and then like being a supervisor there you'd think that typical typically supervisors are a lot older than you but mm -hmm. I mean I'm a supervisor so <laughs> we're all the same age and I've made a lot of good friends there I live with my co-workers there so it's been a lot of fun I like the experience of working on campus and meeting uh, students but also meeting professors and then making friends with my co-workers so I've loved it mm -hmm. yeah and how does working for a student-run organization differ from like let's say your hometown um, start coffee shop. It's probably a bit more disorganized because obviously people don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. when they're in their twenties. <laughs> but, um, other than that, it's definitely more relaxed. I mean, I'd say we have 
a lot more health code regulations because they probably don't trust us as much. So we have to wear like uniforms and then be way more diligent. We can't wear rings or anything or like hair bands on our wrists, mm-hmm. um, which is not anything that I worked for before. But other than that, I think it's a lot more relaxed. Um, our company meetings are just pretty much us talking. <laughs> so it's a lot more fun, I think. That's awesome. Sounds super laid back. And it is. Yeah. Cool. Um, could you give a coffee 101 about some, somebody that knows nothing about coffee? Like oh, me? gosh. Okay, I actually should know more about coffee than I do, considering I've been doing it for so long. But um, I know that coffee only grows between the two tropics, (laughs) but you can get coffee. um, So it's in like Indonesia is one popular place. And then South America is a super popular place for coffee. Mm -hmm. So it only grows there. Um, There's like a light roast or a dark roast. And there's a misconception that light roast has a lot more caffeine. Mm -hmm. It actually does not. It has pretty much the exact same amount as a dark roast. Um, but there's different forms of coffee too, like drip coffee. So like what I was saying, light roast and dark roast are drip coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, so just your regular cup of Joe, but then there's espresso, which is basically like the same thing. It's the same beans, but they're ground finer and then more concentrated. So one cup of coffee has the same amount of caffeine as one shot of espresso. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So what about, like, what is a mocha or, like, what is an Americano? I know yeah. nothing about coffee. No, that's okay. <laughs> so um, they're two completely different things. So, like, an Americano is shots of espresso in hot water. So it's, like, basically like a cup of coffee, but um, you pretty much get more from it. So, like, an Americano has, like, a medium has, like, three shots of espresso. So you're drinking three cups of coffee instead of just, like, one medium cup of coffee. And then, like, a mocha is, like, a latte. So it's... Um, shots of espresso with steamed milk, but then you add syrups in it like mocha. So mm. makes it a little easier to drink. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's just about like a cocktail of coffee to like milk and water and like all this other stuff. Yep. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so what is your drink of choice? You said you like regular. Yeah. Coffee drip coffee. I'd love just drinking drip coffee or Americanos because I pretty much just want to wake up. That's normally why I'm drinking coffee, especially when you have to work at six in the morning and you're a student. Um, and sometimes working late nights also right before, like I had to work at six this morning, but worked until 11 last night. So obviously I had an Americano this morning, mm-hmm. but other than that, whenever I want to treat myself, I guess a matcha is definitely my drink of choice. I like it. Yeah. Um, do you have a go-to drink for finals this week? Oh, anything with as much caffeine as possible. Valid. <laughs> yeah. Right. So like a shot in the dark is drip coffee with shots of espresso. So that is just multiple cups of coffee in one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But thank you for sitting on Hans Hot Seat and talking to me about coffee. Coming up next, we have another interview segment with my man Matt, where he will be talking about the drama of college theater. Thanks for tuning in to the last audio twerk shop of this semester. It's your girl Hans. Stay tuned in on KCSU 90.5. Good afternoon and welcome back to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your I'm your DJ, Matt Gusmarati, and today on the Audio Twerk Shop, I have a special guest. Today I welcome Anthony DeCosmo, an expert in the theater. Anthony's been involved with theater for over 10 years and he's here to share a little bit of his expertise in the field. How you doing, Anthony? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good. Thanks for coming on and taking some time to talk about some theater with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, first question I have for you here. Um, when did you start working in theater? So I started working in theater back in the fifth grade and I started off as an actor. Um, and I remember um, it was living at New York. It was living in New York at the time, upstate New York. And I remember it was kind of for a class thing that we were doing. Um, basically, my teacher at the time said, all right, everybody, we're going to do this class production of 
Uh, the play with Scrooge. I don't remember that. Which uh, Nightmare of, Before Christmas. That's kind of. I don't. Maybe that one. <laughs> we'll go with that one. But um, yeah, I remember I was uh, Tiny Tim's little brother, and I had one line, and I remember the line was: I stood up on stage in front of everyone, and I said, "Boy, I love to eat," and that right there was the beginning of my theater experience. Um, and I remember it was just a lot of fun that a lot of people um, in my class. Uh, didn't really like to do it. They didn't want to. They didn't really have to if they didn't want to. Um, but it was just super, super fun. And I said, hey, I enjoyed this little class thing we did. Can I do it? Seriously, can I do it more? And uh, it just so happened that my fifth grade teacher was the drama teacher. So she said, yes, of course, audition. We have auditions coming up. And then after that, I was in uh, Music Man, where I didn't have any lines. Um, but I was just part of the band, part of the little little uh, kid band. And then after that, was Fiddle on the Roof. And then I moved here. And then now I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. Um, so you just listed off a couple of the productions that you've done so far. What has been your favorite role that you've actually had to perform as so far? Ever, ever. Um, I would have to say definitely back in high school. So I was really involved with um, with theater, especially acting, um, in my senior year of high school. Um, that's where I got really, really involved with it. And I got really involved with choir as well. Um, I was really big into the performing arts. I still am, but that's where I definitely did reach its peak, probably. Um, and I remember two roles, actually, that I loved a lot were um, the... I don't want to say lead role because it's not technically the lead. Uh, the female has the lead. But when I say male lead, that's what I mean. Um, and that was in My Fair Lady, the musical. And I played Henry Higgins. Oh. So that was a lot of fun. And I had it, it, being a lead in a musical is so much fun because you have so much to work with. You have so much to play off of, like solos to sing, uh, character development. It's just a lot of fun to have like a lead role. Um, and then the other play that we did. Uh, so we did that in the fall and then in the spring of my senior year, we did a play called I hate Hamlet. Um, and we were doing Hamlet at the same time. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, um, I was the lead in that one as well. And I played, um, Andrew Raleigh was his name and that was a comedy. So that was a lot of fun to work <laughs> with as well. So I had a lot of funny jokes and, uh, just more opportunities to play with the part as well. So, yeah, that's, that's really cool. Really. It sounds like you had a really cool in-depth experience in high school. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. now not everybody's favorite role or is their favorite show or their favorite production. Um, is that the case with you? Is your favorite role happen to be your favorite, your favorite production or do you have something that's different? I would say the two kind of go hand in hand for sure. I have a couple answers. Um, my favorite production I've done on stage was definitely I Hate Hamlet, the one I was talking about before. Um, it was just so much fun because it was it was an all student run production as well. So it was just a lot. Um, it was a lot better to like talk uh, amongst your peers and not really have a whole lot of faculty input. I mean, obviously the teacher was there to help us and kind of make sure everything was going well. But it was student directed, student produced, student run. Um, and, and uh, all, all that sort of sorts. And it was a smaller cast of about, I think, five people, okay. maybe, maybe like six or seven, and then two directors. So um, it was just really fun, really low-key, really awesome. Um, that was probably my favorite onstage production. Um, as far as backstage productions go, that's what I'm doing more in college now. Is I'm, I'm learning more tech stuff. Um, and what I'm doing now is there was a show called God of Carnage where I was the assistant lighting designer for and uh, that was a lot of fun because that was my first kind of real um, lighting design role um, on stage. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, you kind of just touched on that a little bit. Uh, that was going to be my next question mm -hmm. for you. Um, what would kind of your focus be uh, now that you're in college? Um, and what are some potential career paths that you're thinking about exploring? 
So definitely lighting design. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of hanging up the old uh, performance hat, um, the acting hat. Um, I'm kind of putting on a new one. Um, this is something I did a little bit in high school. Was I worked in the lighting crew in high school? Um, it just it was just basic stuff though. I didn't know a whole lot about it. But um, in college, I am doing a lot of lighting design. That's my fo- that's my major. Um, and that's given me a lot of opportunity to work on designs, to work on uh, like tech tech stuff, um, and learn something about theater that I didn't really know before. Um, so that's definitely a path of mine as well. And I also have, um, it was said earlier in the um, interview process here, but um, I have the music stage and sports production minor, mm-hmm. and that's helped me a lot doing stuff like this or doing stuff with video, which is also something I would love to do. I love video work. Um, and being part of TV as well. So I yeah, so just that. any kind of like content creation, you know, but focusing on the arts, that's what kind exactly. of what I'm hearing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so not, not everything is perfect uh, when uh, acting, producing, directing. Oh, of course, um, of course. What, could you maybe give me like your worst experience that's maybe happened while you've been directing or while you've been acting? Uh, what is absolutely the worst thing that has gone wrong for you? <laughs> I will talk about My Fair Lady again. Um, there was a time... We were so we were in Tech Week, um, which is basically the week before uh, the performance weekend, um, and I remember that we were re- rehearsing a song that I was doing, and I kept forgetting the lyrics. I was just completely spacing on my solo, like the big solo at the very end, and I just had to be like, you know what, guys, I need to go take a minute and just like go <laughs> out stage, off stage, just kind of walk around a little bit and just kind of get out of my head because I was just really stressing out. Um, it was, it was crunch time. So we were, we were all feeling pretty stressed out, but that was particularly stressful because I went home that night and just hammered down that song really, really well. And cause I didn't want that to happen on stage, of course, but yeah, I'd say that's, that's probably one of the worst things that's happened, happened for sure. Um, and then last question I have for you, what would be your best experience? Best experience is really just kind of working with people who are also passionate about the arts. Um, I know that's super cheesy, super cliche, but it's it's true. Um, I really do love working with uh, fellow passionate creators and creatives uh, who love to work with the arts. Awesome. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Uh, thank you, Anthony, for coming on and taking some time to talk about the arts and theater. Uh, that is it for the Audio Twerk Shop on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Stay tuned for Will's Take on Sports Broadcasting. What's up? It's your host, Will, with the Sports Media Show on 90.5 KCSU-FM. Today, we are joined with special guest, special guest Max Fink, a freshman at Colorado State University who spends his free time as an in-house sports broadcaster. Max especially likes to film hockey, as he is also a big fan. Today, we will be talking about how to get started in sports broadcasting. Max, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. So, what is to get started in sports broadcasting? Uh, you know, you just, you just gotta, gotta get some of the resources, uh, and just kind of have the drive to, to go out there and do some of that. Um, I started in high school just in my, uh, you know, film broadcast, um, class and we, we would set up, we'd do cameras, we'd have, you know, switchers set up, uh, we'd have in-house sound set up, um, and we'd actually just run assemblies. We ended up doing some of the school dances that are, um, you know, lower down the list that's not like prom and homecoming um and then uh i had some experience in technical theater so bringing um some of the stuff i did uh over there with audio work uh back over there um so kind of just the drive and motivation to get in there and then jumping on uh some of the 
the the experiences that you can get and opportunities. Awesome. So for us who really don't know, what is sports broadcasting? Like, what are some of the tasks uh, that you have to do? Yeah. So um, I also work at Budweiser Event Center there, where uh, you know I, we have the the Eagles. That's probably the main event um, over the winter. But there's a switcher we have, uh, which which will you know switch between any graphics that need to be up there, uh, any camera work, you know some of the bugs that cue into the replays and other things. So already right there we had you know a graphics player, someone else is on graphics. Uh, we have replay. Um, you know, there's an AV position which kind of deals with all in-house sound. Um, there's Dactronics. Uh, you know they're just down the list. Um, I have a supervisor myself. There's a director, a producer. Um, so there's plenty of positions, um, and we all work as a team to get the show done. Awesome, awesome. So uh, what kind of events do you usually broadcast? Is it like sporting events, or is it... Yeah, well, live broadcast basically just means anything live that, that you're broadcasting. So it could be you know a concert like, you know playing right now, and then we're streaming to... you know It could be TV, it could be in-house, which is going to be at the event itself. Um, you know, sports, obviously. Um, and that's, that's what I mainly do. I deal with sports, um, and sports live broadcasting, but, um, even right now, you know, we have some graduations in, uh, the event center. So, you know, if they, they want cameras and other things, uh, that's, that's what we're there for. So nice. So as I mentioned earlier, you are a student at Colorado state university, um, but is this something you see yourself doing in the future once you get out of college? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it is at least going to be a side gig for hopefully the rest of my life. I love it so much. Um, but kind of the end goal would be, uh, we call them trailers. Uh, so you go to the event um, and you, you work for a TV station like ESPN or NB, uh, NBC Sports or something like that. Um, and you have a trailer that has all of the, all the, the switching, the replays, um, all the racks, uh, for audio and other things. Um, and there's a huge satellite and you send it to the TV station and they basically make sure that it's running. They don't have to do anything at the uh, station cause you do it all on site. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm assuming you'd get to travel a lot with that. Oh yeah. No, the, uh, I talked to a few people actually when, um, ESPN came over here to stream the, uh, Utah State CSU game uh, earlier this season uh, and just toured through there. Uh, and he says that he works about 15 days out of the month and he makes enough for a living for himself. And they wow. they fly him out, um, you know, pay for his hotel, stuff like that. Wow. So it's a cool gig, but uh, it does deal with a lot of traveling. So. Yeah, that's awesome, though. I would love to travel. Yeah, no, it's sick. So when you do these kinds of events, um, are you usually broadcasting alone or do you do it with like a group of people or just one other guy? Or sure, yeah. One? So um, you obviously deal with your team. And, uh, you know, if you're a camera op, um, camera operator, uh, you have your fellow camera operators. Uh, you have your own positions, your own uh, just jobs that you need to do. So you know, camera one could be game camera. So you're just, you know, the general wide, but you could be a replay camera. Um, you need to get certain things. And so you will be in contact with a replay operator. Uh, if they need a specific shot, if you're with replay, um, you know, with the technical, technical director and the switcher, um, they'll just, you know, tell you what they want. Um, cause kind of the, they're the head honchos of the show. Uh, so you get to listen to them replay gets to listen to the switcher or technical director too. So you're kind of all working in tandem, um, 
to obviously make the show as fluid as possible, seamless as possible, but also show everyone everything that they need to see. Awesome. Awesome. So what kind of events do you like to film the most? I know you mentioned hockey. Um, is that still your favorite or do you like to film some other things as well? No, definitely. Yeah. Hockey is probably my favorite. Uh, it's the coolest one I get to work with cause, uh, I work with the Colorado Eagles. So I get to film, uh, AHL, uh, hockey, which is right below the NHL, oh, that's which awesome. is kind of cool to brag about, I guess you could say. Yeah. You probably a lot of met, um, met a lot of famous people. Yeah, huh? no, exactly. Uh, and it's always fun to be like, oh, hey, I know that guy on who's on TV right now who got called up for you know yeah. Avalanche or something. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's super cool. And do you do any types of broadcasting through the school? Uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, doing Ramvision, um, which they they're basically the same thing here at CSU. You know, they do all the sports for football, uh, softball, volleyball, basketball, um, all the in-house stuff. We have a stream f- uh, that we send out as well. Um, so that's, you know, same thing, uh, over here and it's awesome. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And what about any difficulties you've had when broadcasting? Have you had any like crazy experiences? Yeah, no. So, uh, anytime, uh, we screw up, at least at the event center, we call it barbecues. Uh, and so you get tossed on the barbecue and you're getting oh. roasted. Oh, um, no. and that's just, if you're screwing up and it goes out, uh, they used to have a wall of flame where you'd get a dumb picture taken of you oh. and then explain like what you did. And then you had the seer of the year, uh, oh which boy. was the worst screw up of the year. And it's yeah. just fun, but also great to learn from. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. Uh, Max, thank you so much for joining our show and giving us the inside scoop on what it's like to be an in-house sports broadcaster. Again, this is your host, Will, with the Sports Media Show on 90.5 KCSU FM. Stay tuned to hear a podcast on writing music with Hannah. Hello, I'm Taylor Millette, and you are listening to Audio Twerk Shop on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Today I'm joined with Hannah Garcia, who has been writing her own music since she was 13. She's here to, to give us an overview of the, her writing process. Thanks for joining me, Hannah. Thanks for having me here. Okay, so I'm just going to get right into it. Um, what made you want to start writing your own music? So I have been surrounded by music since I was super young. My dad was a DJ. Um, So he had all the equipment and everything. He let me play with it. And um, I didn't really start getting into music until I was, like, in middle school. Um, That's when you start, like, developing your own style, um, listening to your own music, not just listening to the radio. And I actually heard Ed Sheeran, his song A-Team, on the radio. Like, I would listen to music at night, and it was super late one night. And I heard that song. Um, And so I started looking more and more into him. And I found out that like he used a loop pedal and he basically came from nothing and he learned how to play guitar from this guy he met on the street and it was just like the coolest story. Um, so probably Ed Sheeran, yeah. That's amazing. So when you write, is there a specific instrument you tend to use? Yes, so I actually play ukulele. Um, I had a concert, or I have a, a concert ukulele and that one's a little bit smaller. Um, stereotypical ukulele sound, but I actually just got um, a baritone ukulele, which is much bigger, and it's a low, it's like drop D, um, which is tuned differently, so it's a little bit um, lower because it is bigger, and I've been playing on that, um, but I use that for like the basis of learning chords and stuff. Um, I just took a music theory class, so I'm able to transfer the information about my ukulele to a piano and play piano and 
this stuff's crazy. <laughs> I didn't realize how crazy music was. It's music like a totally, intense. it's a totally different language. And I didn't realize how intense it was until I took um, music theory and had to compose my own song. So nice. So how do you find inspiration or what are most of your songs about? Hmm. A lot of my, a lot of my songs are sad because uh, I tend, That's I tend valid. to be sad. Um, but I find inspiration everywhere. I feel like you have to. Um, I keep a list of like lyrics on my phone. So if something like comes to me uh, while I'm walking down the street, I see like purple flowers and a bee. I'm like, oh, bees and purple flowers. I don't know. Write that down. Um, so I, I don't know. I just kind of go about my day and like if something pops up, then I'll write it down. Um, like I was driving my car today. I was trying to park. I was trying to park and I had, um, I had a line that I wanted to write down, but I was parking, so I couldn't. And it's just never going to come back to me. So I'm so sorry. That's fine. I'm sorry for your loss. They'll come. They'll come. So going along with that, then, <laughs> is there a specific process you have, or does it kind of change depending? Everybody asks me how I write my songs, and I'm really sad to tell you that I don't know. Because I'll... I don't know, I'll find something inspirational or I'll be really, really upset or really, really happy about something and I just pick up my ukulele, find some fun chords, like mess around on it a little bit and then it just kind of writes itself. Like something comes up to me um, and I'll like, I'll say it or I'll sing it and then I'll just like keep going with it. So one of the easiest things for me to do is like put my phone on record and then just dink around until... I don't know, I'll listen back to it. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And then like, I'll write it down and like figure out exactly what I want to do. Um, One of the big things for me is like how syllables sound in my mouth. Um, So like Greenwich Village is really cool. That's like a really cool phrase for me. Um, I I don't know why. And the syllables are great in it. And I don't know, I don't know. You just gotta find what works for you. And I found what works for me, so. I love it, that's great. So then I know you said you write down a lot of your lyrics in mm-hmm. your phone, um, but then do you tend to come up with chords first or the lyrics first? Um, it's usually chords first, and then I see like what kind of style I'm going for. Um, there have been a few times. I'm trying to get more into like writing the lyrics first and then coming up with a melody for it, um, but it's just easier to like do it all together at once, especially with the way that I do it. Um, but I wrote a song on a plane, actually, because I couldn't, like, play ukulele on a plane. Um, it was about two boys sitting next to me. I was on the plane by myself, and I had the window seat. It was about two boys. They would not look at me. They um, they basically pretended like I didn't exist, and it was really weird. And I was like, but you guys are my plane seat buddies. Like, I need, your, I need your support. Um, so I wrote a song about these boys who just astounded by the fact that they were sitting next to the Hannah Adele. Um, so I wrote all the all the lyrics for that and then I um, got off the plane and like created, created the melody for it. So I've been trying to work on that as well. I don't remember what your question was. Nice. It's all good. Okay. I, I really <laughs> felt that though. I've done that too where I was on a plane and I was like, I need my piano app right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, is there anywhere people can hear your music? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Spotify. Look up Hannah Adele, A-D-E-L, um, and you should find me there. 
And I also have a band camp um, where you can find all of my latest releases and everything. And that's hannahadelgarcia.bandcamp.com. And it'd be great if you guys would give it a listen. Very nice. Um, so then just a little little side. Um, how long does it typically, typically take you to write a song? Oh, gosh. It could take me an hour to a year and a half. I've been working on an album for almost two years now, just because you gotta keep you gotta keep progressing. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've cranked out songs in about I don't know an hour, and those are some of the best ones. So you just gotta get go as it goes. Very nice. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me and giving us some insight into a songwriter's process. Stay tuned for Matt's thoughts on the Colorado Rockies, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Hello, my name is Josiah, and today on the final for the Audio Workshop, I have a special guest. The guest is Matt Gusmarati. He has played baseball for many years and now has a sports podcast of his own. Today we're going to talk about Colorado's own Rockies. So Matt, uh, I guess I want to know what makes the Rockies uh, different, so special, I guess. Uh, I mean, there are, bu- there are a bunch of things that really make the Rockies uh, kind of different and special in their own way. Um, one thing, I mean, that's pretty noticeable, at least to me, uh, they're the only team that uses the color purple in their in their color scheme and in their uniform uh, color scheme as well. Um, and it's, you know, one thing, you know, it's kind of a shame they don't really, they don't really take advantage of that too much. Their uniform, their away uniforms are just gray, <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel. I don't know. I feel like they could definitely take it a different direction um, and use their uni- use their away uniforms as purple ones because you know they're the only team with purple. Um, another reason why they are pretty special in my mind: um, they are an expansion team, meaning that you know the team, the league just wanted some more teams, and they felt that Denver and uh, just f- the state of Florida slash now Miami now, um, they thought that those two cities were deserving of teams and here that here are the Rockies now <laughs> there you go well uh so um the season has already got uh kicked off a little bit I was wondering uh what what do you think some of the expectations for the season are well you know coming off of a playoff berth last season uh you would obviously want them to repeat and maybe go a little bit further than last year uh only making it to the National League Division Series last year um but you know they were close to night or they were 90 game winners last year which is a very above average season um this season you know they kind of got off to a slow start but it is recoverable and um Another good point, uh, they do have a lot of good prospects on the way, which means, you know, good team success in later years and in the future. But as for this season, you know, I'm, I'm thinking close to 90 games and a playoff and a playoff berth again. Uh, they're still the, one of the only teams in baseball to never win their own division. They have only entered the wild card or entered the playoffs via wild card. Um, so I feel that if they were to somehow snag the division this year, I feel like that would be a big win for Colorado sports. Uh, other than just having that that big step, do you, do you foresee any other big steps by the Rockies the next few years? Uh, no, I mean just as I mentioned, you know they're going to have a lot a lot more good players coming up. They have a lot of good prospects in their in their farm system that are going to make an appearance here soon. Um, so you know just a lot more good players uh, are on the way for the Rockies, and you know they have a talented roster now, and they're going to get even better. So that's what that's what baseball fans should be on the lookout for. Yeah, speaking of the roster, who do you think is uh, probably the strongest? 
player or group of players on the roster right now. Yeah, I'm so glad you said players because I actually couldn't narrow down my my choice to one. Um, so my first one, I have Nolan Arenado. Obviously, everybody everybody always talks about him. He is a uh, perennial All Star. He's won six Gold Gloves in a row, six Silver Sluggers in a row. He's probably the third best third baseman in baseball, um, and not a lot of people give him credit for it, but. It's okay. The stats really speak for themselves with him. Uh, and then the other person I have is uh, Kyle Freeland, his starting starting pitcher. Um, Kyle Freeland was almost one of the Cy Young winners last year. For, he was almost the National League representative and had a really surprising year. Not a lot of people were expecting him to get off to that caliber right away. And, you know, homegrown Denver boy like him, he really wants to... He really wants to show off for his home team. So I really think that he has a lot more to prove this year. And I think those two guys are really going to be the... The, the X factor this year. Right. Do you, th- do you think there are any weak players on the team right now? I mean, you know, you, there's always going to be, there's always going to be weak players. Um, the one that does come to mind for me from the Rockies is Ian Desmond. Um, obviously signing a big deal about two years ago and it is nowhere near close to paying off. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, they signed him on to play first base and he doesn't even play that position anymore. He's now just hanging out in the outfield every day, every couple of days or so. He doesn't really know what he's doing too much out there, but you know, they're paying him a lot of money and hopefully he can produce. Right. What, so what do you think the Rockies can do to continue or uh, I guess to dominate the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, a big thing for them is, uh, you know, they know the games that they should be winning. Um, so I feel like for them is just winning the games that they have to, uh, you know, against those really low tier teams and maybe even some of those mid tier teams, you know, knocking out two out of a three game series against them that would that would could really say a lot for them also just playing well at home everybody's always everybody always talks about how with the colorado rockies they have the home advantage because the air is so thin and the ball can literally try a mile, a mile, travel a mile high um so i feel like if also they were to win at home um really just establish that if you're going to come to our place we're going to win and right now I know that the uh, the Yankees picked up a few players from the Rockies, and I know that you're a Yankees fan that actually. I and uh, I was wondering what what you could uh, say comment on that. Yeah, I mean um, Rockies lost a couple good two good players this year. Uh, they lost DJ LeMahieu and uh, Adam Ottavino, both to the Yankees. Um, I mean personally for me, like you said, and me being a Yankee fan, I'm happy with both of those signings. I think they're I think they're both really good players. And you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, with, with all the young prospects up on the way, you know, the Rockies had to clear some space. And unfortunately, DJ LeMahieu was one of those guys. They really didn't have a place for him anymore. And right. as good as he was, there's there's better on the way. So Okay, so I, I know you have a uh, sports podcast. I was just wondering if you could uh talk about what what I guess what makes you unique and what yeah you do on that. Uh, it's called No Agenda Sports Podcast. We uh, me and my my partner Ethan we do it uh, one one episode a week for about an hour. Um, one thing that's pretty cool about us all of our everything that we talk about is user and fan submitted. Uh, so we never really generate our own topics for our own episodes. Um, so you guys kind of the fans kind of dictate whatever we talk about and i feel like that's why it's called no agendas because you know we don't really have an agenda we're just kind of here to talk about whatever you give us for the day right right well we are uh, running out of time right now but uh, i would like to thank matt gusmarati uh for being my guest today yeah, and thanks for having me well thanks uh and discussing the rockies on today's audio twerk shop on 90.5 kcfcu up next we have an interview about tacos Tacos. Yeah.
What a fantastic song. Welcome to the Audio Twerkshop Final with me, your current host, Jeremy Schuster. Who doesn't like a good taco? With so many recipes, possible ingredients, varieties, tacos can appeal to anyone. They sure appeal to my guest, Will Mergenthaler, a true taco expert and enthusiast. Today on 90.5 KCSU's Audio Twerkshop, Will is going to make us hungry while he tells us about taco tips and tricks and why he loves them so much. All right, Will, let's have some fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm sure going to be hungry after this. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. Me too. So obviously, first off, I have to ask, why do you like tacos so much? You know, there's just so much flavor in them. It's just a big mix of lots of ingredients, and it's just something where you could just have this explosion of flavor in your mouth, and uh, I just love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How how long have you been eating tacos? I mean, your whole life oh my or God. recently? Yeah, my whole life. It's been great. <laughs> Grew up eating tacos with my family, and uh, once I got to college, I was like, I'm going to explore some more tacos a little bit, and uh, went around and found some good taco shops, and uh, yeah, really had some good tacos. Awesome. Describe in detail how you feel when you eat a taco. What are the emotions that are rushing through you in that first, second bite? Oh, boy. That's an important question. Um, hmm, It's just kind of like a rainbow in your mind, and you find the pot of gold at the end. It's just incredible. You just have this explosion of flavor. Um, you know, there's tomatoes in them usually and, and some beef, and you just have this great feeling. <laughs> it feels very, very good to have <laughs> Um, so talking about some of the ingredients, what are your favorite ingredients or, or maybe your favorite varieties of tacos? You can give a few. So, so I guess it depends if it's going to be Tex-Mex or actual Mexican tacos. Um, Tex-Mex, uh, would be more, you know, a classic soft shell or hard shell. Both are very good. Um, with some ground beef, some lettuce, some cheese, some tomato, you know, make it good. Um, but real Mexican tacos uh, would be my favorite is like a corn shell tortilla where they put two of them because they really they fall apart really mm -hmm. easily. Oh sure. Um, so corn tortillas with some steak and queso fresco. It's mm. just really good cheese that I found. It's very good after many years of trying tacos um, and some lettuce. Uh, and there's some other stuff in it that I don't really know what it's called, but it's really good. You know, some onions and some tomatoes and. Uh, yeah, it's just an explosion of flavor. <laughs> okay, so when you put a taco together, what order do you put the ingredients in, in and how much does that hmm. matter? Hmm. That definitely does matter. You know, actually, speaking of that, I had someone make me a pretty bad taco the other day and I was pretty bummed. Oh, they put bummer. like 90% rice in it and like 10% beef. I Ridiculous. was like, who does that? Who does that? But know what? Some people do, so it's okay. But uh, if I were to make it, um, I would put, you know, so the two corn tortillas. Uh, then my steak, um, and then you put some lettuce, uh, some tomato and onions, and then a lot of queso fresco on top that melts all over it, and that's really good. Awesome, awesome. So you mentioned that there's kind of like your basic tacos, and then your favorites are kind of maybe the more authentic tacos. Yes, and you, I and love you, authentic And tacos. you mentioned kind of Mexican. Do you think the origin of tacos <laughs> Is Mexico, or do you think it's maybe somewhere else that was brought into Mexico? What do you what, what do you think about that? I would think it's Mexico. I hope, or else I've been wrong my whole life. But <laughs> I I honestly have no idea. I've never really looked into it too much. But now I'm probably gonna go research that when I get home. Have you ever been to a Mexican restaurant that does not serve tacos? I have not. 
That'd good. be pretty crazy. It's probably think, a good thing. But it's yeah. Good. <laughs> um, how often would you say you eat tacos? How oh frequently? Boy. Like three times a week. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. I When I first got here, I was like, I'm going to find the best taco place in Fort Collins. I'm not from here. I'm from Connecticut. So okay. we don't have... I, I've heard Colorado has amazing tacos. Um, so when I came here, I was really pumped to find the best place. And uh, yeah, I went around. The first place I went to, though... They only spoke Spanish, so I had to stop going there because I couldn't order a taco. Because uh, oh every time I'd order it, it would just come out like something completely different. So <laughs> I got to stop going there. But I found this other place, which is actually called Damn Good Tacos. It's really good. It's right near my house. So walk there <laughs> quite a bit, get some tacos on a nice afternoon. Sweet. Why not? Yeah. So why? So do you think that Colorado has some of the best tacos? I think they have incredible tacos. On a nice warm day, like it is my favorite thing to be able to go down and get some yummy tacos. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what have been your favorite shops in Fort Collins that you found? So like I said, uh, Damn Good Taco, short, or I guess DGT for short, um, is probably my favorite. They make some very good tacos. They have a large variety. Um, they're a little expensive, but I really like them. So it's worth definitely it. worth it. Definitely worth it. Um, there was another place I went to that I mentioned too, but yeah, they only speak Spanish. So I, I, I can't go there. Be prepared, I can't huh? order too much. <laughs> um, but I really haven't tried too many others. I tried another one. I can't remember the name and those were pretty bomb, but there wasn't a lot on it. So it was, eh. But yeah, I'd say damn good tacos is my favorite. They're really good. Can you think of the best place you ever got a taco? Best taco you ever had? Yes. There's a place um, in Connecticut where I live called, God, I probably can't pronounce it right, but it's like El Paraiso (laughs) or something like that. And I love going there. They have some great tacos. They actually got me into more authentic style tacos. So sweet. Yeah. Got a shout out to them. That's <laughs> awesome. Good. That's awesome. All right. Quick last question. Inspired by the movie Hot Rod, who do you think would win in a fight between a grilled cheese sandwich and a taco? Taco all day. Oh. Taco well, all day. I got to mm-hmm. guess. I could have known. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely am going to need some tacos right now. My mouth is just watering. It is a waterfall. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So thank you to Will for getting us to think deeply about the common yet magnificent meal in a shell tacos. And thank you for tuning in to the final audio workshop session right here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Stay tuned for host Kyle, who's going to discuss the ever popular show that I should be on, The Bachelor. Jeremy out. Hello, hello, and good afternoon. My name is Kyle Wilson, and you're listening to the very last audio twerk shop of the semester and the very last interview of the semester here, right here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am joined by Taylor Millette, and she's a growing expert in the hit TV show, The Bachelor. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So I'd say, let's just get right into it, all right? Sounds good. With The Bachelor on tonight, I'm ready to talk about The Bachelor before, you know, it premieres tonight. Okay, so how would you say you love The Bachelor? I really do. It's bad, but I do. There's just so much drama, and 
it's just so good. It's it's great. I love it too. I really do. I even though you know, I hate to admit it, as a dude, I like The Bachelor. I I get sucked into it. It really it does suck you in. That's it. Yeah. So how how many seasons have you been watching The Bachelor leading up to this past season? So I this past season I watched, and then the one before that I didn't. Mm-hmm. But the one before that I did. Gotcha. So that was Nick's season, if you're familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then I watched The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise in between that. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, I mean, you've been watching it for quite some time, I'd say. For a you minute. Know, I'd, I'd say more than other people. More, more than me, that's for sure. Okay. You've been yeah. watching it longer than me. So, on the, in, during this past season, uh, it was the Colton season. Who, who? It could be Colton. It could be anybody. Who was your favorite person on the show in the past season and why? Okay. Um, I... I liked a few people. I really liked Tasha and Heather. Yes. Yes. Tasha was I'm, my girl. I'm not going to lie. I'm really sad. I thought Tasha was going to be the bachelorette and she's not. And I think that is rude. I really wanted her to be the bachelorette. I did too. I agree. But, you know, Hannah B's great too. But is she? It's going to be a wild <laughs> season. That is for sure. I've already seen the, uh, what's it called? Trailer? Yes, that. And, oh boy. Yeah. Hannah Beast. That's yeah. that is all. <laughs> okay, so going back to this past season, do you feel do you feel like Colton? Do you th- do you feel like he chose the right girl to like you know to marry? Well, okay, I feel like for what he wanted out of it, he didn't get exactly what he went there to get, but he seems happy, so that's yeah. good, and I'm I'm glad. Like if he's happy, I guess we should all be happy. But um, I feel like there was a lot of drama surrounding Cassie at the end. Yeah. I mean, I'm not happy about how it turned out. So. Tasha, that's all I'm saying. I know Tasha. she was, she was my girl. I, know. I wish she would have. I know. Oh well, oh well, it's over now. You know, he's happy. He's Whatever. happy. Whatever. That's good. Okay. So with the Bachelorette premiering tonight. Yes. Uh, what, do you like the Bachelor or the Bachelorette more? I like the Bachelor more. Do you? Yeah, because the Bachelorette gets very intense. Yeah. Um, and not to say that the Bachelor doesn't, but. The Bachelorette. Oh my goodness! All the guys there. <laughs> for you, yeah. For, for I mean, the guys for you, I'd say. I'm, I'm surprised so you don't intense. like the Bachelorette more. Honestly, the, the guys are so intense, and they get and it's they get in each other's business. I feel like more than the girls. Yeah. And I'm like, just no, I, it's fine. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess I kind of agree with you. There, there. It's. I like the Bachelor more too. I agree with you because yeah. I just, you know, for me personally, there's, you know, the girls on the Bachelor. Yeah, it makes but, sense. But also, I think it's it's better drama. I guess for me, yeah, it's I more passive aggressive. I'm more into it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. Do you think? So, do you like Hannah B being the next Bachelorette, or do you, would do you think? Because we already agreed on Tasha. Yeah, I. Without Tasha, do you do you like the the selection? I think it's going to be an interesting season. I really do. Um, I think she's got such a large personality that there's yeah. never going to be a dull moment, um, which is good. Especially because I don't. The beginning of this past season of The Bachelor, the beginning was a little slow. Yeah. Heated up at the end, but I think from the beginning, it's gonna. It's really going to be interesting. So I think it makes sense. And I think Hannah B is going to, she's going to do great. She's going to kill it. But still, Tasha, it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> Good old Tasha. All right. So, 
so what are your expectations for the season? We already, it's going to be intense. It's going to be drama. You know, it always is. But like, what, what do you, what do you expect to happen? What, like, what do you think is going to be that main like shock factor? You know, I don't know if it's going to be a shock factor, but I think Hannah is going to freak out. Um, cause we kind of saw that with Colton Yeah, where she, she's just very closed in that. Like, that's fine. That's, that's normal. Especially she's broadcasting her life on TV. That's not a normal thing you do. And I yeah. feel like she's just kind of a reserved person with a large personality. I don't know if that makes total that makes sense. sense. No, that makes sense. But I think she's really going to have to break down some walls in order to get what she came, like yeah. what she's going to look for. Yeah. So I, I wonder if there's going to be like, you know, like the fence jumping scene. Do you think do you think something crazy like that will happen where you know they'll try to leave the show or something like that? I feel like someone always tries to leave the show. I don't know. I think yeah, yeah. I do think so. And in the trailer, I think someone already hopped a fence in their like their introduction. Of course. So, and she's like, "Oh, you're already jumping fences for me." Oh goodness. <laughs> so, it's <laughs> Yeah. I'm excited. I'm so I'm excited. excited. I'm so sad, though. I can't watch it tonight. Why? Finals. Oh, yeah. I guess that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I you guess know, that's those, a good point. Those little things. Okay. Last last question. So, let's... Do you... I, I, don't, I don't like to ask, but, like, who do you think... Who do you think will win this season? Have, do you, have you heard any spoilers or anything? I have not heard any spoilers. Oh, oh. There is one person I can't remember his name that she met the on guy, the end. The the one that of, she gave the first rose to. I, maybe I honestly don't remember. I okay. I, I guess can't I'll, remember his name. I guess we'll just have to see tonight. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me today and talking thank about the bachelor. So I loved it. Thank you so much for listening to the last audio twerk shop of the semester here on ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins. Huge thanks to Taylor Mullet for coming on today and talking to me. Um, this was a great class all year. I'm gonna miss every single one of you in the class. Uh, I had a great class. We will all miss it so dearly. And for audio twerk shop, I am Kyle Wilson signing off for the last time. Have a great rest of your day and a great finals week. Hey, I'm Hannah Copeland, the instructor for Radio Operations Workshop at Colorado State University. Whether you listened to just the clip or this whole podcast, thank you so much for your attention. If you'd like to learn more about this class, you can reach me at hannah.copeland at colostate.edu. That's H-A-N-N-A-H dot C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D at C-O-L-O state dot E-D-U. To learn about the journalism program here at CSU, just go to journalism.colostate.edu. And if you love, love, love college radio like I do, you can listen to us and support us anytime you like. Or how about why not right now at kcsufm.com. Thank you.